Welcome back to the MM Cast podcast. That's redundant. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Exciting week. I'm hyped we to are, be here. We are in the midst of Zendikar Rising previews. A uh, bunch of new cards to be talked about. The big thing is, and it's a little bit of a follow-up conversation from two to three weeks ago when we had a big conversation on people should be playing more lands in their decks uh, or how many lands should one play in a commander deck or a, a modern deck or a legacy deck or a standard deck or a historic deck, etc. Um, and how people should maybe be playing more than they are. Uh, and literally like a week later, Zendikar Rising rolls through and its secondary main or its main mechanic is that it's added flip cards. And apparently we've heard that flip cards will be a theme for the year, but Zendikar's version of flip cards is uh, one side is always a land and you can choose. So what the theme for the year is, is every set um, in the uh, for so Zendikar Rising, Kaldheim and um, uh, Strixhaven will all have uh, flip cards that you get to decide as you play them, which side you play. So likely Strixheim is going to be Strixhaven is going to be a lot of um like in, one side's an instant, one side's a sorcery or like spell effects because it's going to be wizard themed or maybe every side's a wizard and then every other side is a instant or sorcery, which will be cool. Something along those lines. Um, I can imagine. I have no idea what Kaldheim is. I'm expecting snowy things, but uh, who knows? Uh, and then in this set, um, it's land. So every every um, flip card on one side, at least you get to play a land card and some of them come to play untapped. Some of them come to play untapped some of the times, some of them Coming to play tapped. Uh, and there's a lot of powerful ones and they all do cool things. We want to kind of talk about a, um, why, how many, sh- uh, wh- how does this work in deck building, uh, conceptually and, and how we both feel about it. And then talk a little bit about each card individually as part of kind of the set review. Uh, so instead of doing set reviews, we're going to kind of talk about each more of a holistic subject matter around the set, uh, a few episodes in a row. And, uh, so we'll go into, over individual cards and then. Uh, if we're lucky and we have time, we're also going to do a little bit deep dive on one of the other themes of the set, which is uh, one of the four tribes, uh, and that is rogues, um, which, which Ben's I'm so freaking hyped super on. stoked on. So hyped on. Uh, there's a couple cards that have been spoiled that look amazing. A big time shout out to all of our patrons. Uh, big time uh, pinky, pinky salute, pinky out to all the nobles of House Modern. Uh, these here, yep. Um, and uh, thank you so much. We we hang with you guys for a few minutes. We, we it's, we've been a little on hold with that with that mechanic on the Patreon uh, these last couple weeks. Schedules have been a little weird, but we are going to be expanding the Patreon with some new cool stuff very soon. So it's actually a good time to get in. But a big time thank you to everybody who has supported all of what we do. It yeah. means a lot to us. And, and like. And- yeah, and stuff that you get exclusive on the Patreon. So so every every week, the fully unedited version of the podcast is released on the Patreon. Um, so that has no editing. You get a little bit of a, a post-credits, though, if there's any weird mistakes we make, any jokes that we feel like are just like long tangents that shouldn't be released. Um, you also get the episode early. Uh, uned- so it's unedited, so there's no card files, but you get everything edited in early. Uh, you also are now getting a movie talk. So we're doing a, a just like because me and Ben can't help ourselves. Uh, <laughs> we just the beginning of every one where like I've been trying to make an effort to talk about movies you get Cass and ben movie talk as part of that raw feed exclusive to the patron um you also on the um you get exclusive access to the mmcast discord so the mmcast discord is now exclusive to patrons and or twitch subscribers 
uh, only. So if you're one of those two groups, you get access and get to be kind of a more of exclusive, cool hangout. Uh, slowly, we're going to be I'm probably going to be modifying it to be like kind of play on like the 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 like a noble house kind of situation, like a, a cool secret club. Um, so that'll be fun. And then, uh, yeah. So thank you so much, everybody. Uh, and then, um, cool. Going to get get a, get a, get in the episode. So. Sweet, 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 sweet. I'm starting from the bottom up. So we're going to start with the uncommons and we'll, we'll just kind of touch upon some of them uh, and then pass if you don't think they're worth talking. Well, I guess before we get into individual cards, that's a preview for later. Before we get in there, these cards in general, um, and I think I think we'll save save the dual lands conversation for when we get to them because I think that's a different conversation. But for Agreed. the half spell, half land, are they like... What do you think? Where, where, where are you at on like, oh, should we be playing? Like, should we now just go up to, should they replace lands? Can you, can you go down to 20 lands now? Because four of them could be one of these cards. Should we be all going up to 30 lands, but counting these as those lands? Where, where do you fall on? Um, I think it, I think it distinctly depends on the format. Cause like, okay, so let's just, let's just talk format to format, right? There's few to no situations that in vintage or in legacy, you would play a tap land. It almost would never happen. Like there are certain situations where you would, because it's, a very very particular deck or like the land does something but for the most part in yeah, the like most Besaju, powerful right like yeah the most powerful formats don't play tap lands period they're so low to the ground the efficiency is so high it wouldn't really matter what you were getting on the other side of a tap land it almost wouldn't matter it would have to be like a tap you, you, you know you know what i'm saying so then you get into like the mid-level formats in terms of power level and it's like modern uh and and pioneer and i think that there's a situation where pioneer you would play tap lands modern you don't really play tap lands in modern unless you're talking about like the the bounce lands or something like that. And those aren't well, even really technically tap lands. Well, but like creature lands are have been played historically in modern yeah. since the very beginning. And I think these are very comparable to those creature lands. And then also I think the other land that these feel closest to are cycling lands. Um, right. Yeah, I think I think I think the cycling lands for sure. But again, like those have a function beyond being on the battlefield that makes them worthwhile. Those creature lands that you're talking about are are definitely the notable exception in modern. Like right, like Celestial Colonnade, Raging Ravine. These are like some of the most played lands ever in modern's history. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like a very very particular class of land. Now, if you start to move into and I think Commander, I would let you speak on this, but I think there's a little bit more uh, patience in Commander. So you could play a tap land in Commander. I think, especially these big spells that have X's involved. So there's a big there's a big debate on that. So in, in Commander, a lot of people believe. So like uh, 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 Vince from um, Pleasant Kenobi, uh, the YouTube channel, uh, he's gone on record and i think has a video all about it on how like people in commander should stop playing tap lands just in general right like in fact for him the cost in commander is much higher than even say something like modern because you're getting one out of four turns and so if you're losing the ability to cast a spell because you have to play a tapped land that tap land better be worth a spell versus um in modern where like if i have to play a tapped land, the sequentialness of the turn order and the fact that like I can like play it as a one drop. And then on turn three, if I need to play a tap land, I can keep counter magic open, right? There's like ways to play with tap lands in that format that you can uh, capitalize on playing low efficiency spells. So many of your spells in modern are one and two drops that a tap land isn't nearly as high of a cost as in commander where every spell is more expensive. So the more expensive your spells from his perspective, the less tap lands you should be playing. Now, now I just, I disagree, but I like, and we kind of talked about this on the land episode, right? Where I'm more of the belief that 
tapped lands are worth playing in for but in two ways one they have to be gaining you enough value to play right and i think the temple is the perfect middle ground or the perfect bottom right a temple is the least amount that i'm willing to play a land that comes into play tapped you have to be doing something more than a temple for me really to be worth worth, worth playing it and then the other the, the second thing was was that i think also people aren't playing enough lands right like i think i think if you're able to go up to 30 lands is an extreme case but 30 lands in in modern or uh, you know, 45 lands or 40 lands in commander, 40 lands, but like the next five cards are like soul ring plus mana rocks. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're able to take advantage. Like the way to do that is to make it. So when you draw some of these lands, or if you get mana flooded, your lands are doing work for you, which like, obviously these cards, when we get into them are, are an option there, but you know, cycle lands, um, the man lands or, or creature lands, the, um, Tolaria West is a favorite one for me. Even, even stuff that comes into play untapped, um, like Academy Ruins, Field of the Dead. Sorry, not Field of the Dead. Field of, uh, Destroys the Lands. Field, Field of Ruin? Field of Ruin. Yeah, yeah. Field of Ruin. Um, me mixing up Field of the Dead and Field of Ruin got me banned on Reddit once. Uh, <laughs> do you know that? Do you know that story? When we previewed no. Field of Ruin, I accidentally posted our preview episode on Reddit as field of the dead previewed in that set and they banned me for six months because <laughs> they thought i would because they, they thought i was trolling they thought it was a troll post and not me oh my God. alex kessler being unable to keep cards straight which in their defense i didn't i did post field of the dead you're, i mean you're yeah it's a it's a it's a, it's a shortcoming of yours in the magic world I, I think to add to your point you were talking about sort of those where you jump from what is the reasonable number of lands to what feels like that next number I think what's interesting about this conversation is that we need to talk about these cards first and foremost for standard, not because I think we need to dive deep into standard, but that's what these are being designed for. So, mm-hmm. and, and the, co- the opportunity cost there in standard is totally different than all the other formats we're talking about. Now, I do think historic and Highlander Gauntler, our, our, our format we play, are interesting conversations to have also, because mm-hmm. I think these do slot into there in a very sort of interesting power level. But when it comes to like, you know, talking about the power of a tap land, I mean, the triumphs are all over standard. Uh, and I would argue that those triumphs are very valid cards to play in commander. A, because they cycle, and B, because fetch lands get you three colors often. And like, you just get it instead of the other land end of turn if you don't need the other color. So, or if you don't need it. So right. I think that's like where a tap land becomes the most relevant. But I'm looking at a lot of these cards and I, I think we're going to see, this This would be my guess, because anytime there's a new mechanic that's previewed like this or a new type of card, there's always a little bit of a figuring out how powerful these things really are. Yeah. Most of the uncommons I don't think are going to be too good. There will be a mythic or a rare that becomes like ubiquitous in the standard format. And there probably will be one of these that becomes a staple of like modern because it's just like the power level is so high in the right deck is my guess. And we'll see if we can identify which one it is tonight on the show. So on the opposite end of that tech, I think this is a companion level power level mechanic. <laughs> really? Uh, I think it won't be as problematic as companion because the gameplay is not going to be as problematic, right? Like it's like the worst case scenario is that just decks are playing these all over the place. But like, that's what companion had, right? Every deck in the format had to play these cards. And that's the worst case scenario here. The difference here is that there's like spells that turn into lands versus companion where like every game three, every turn three Luros is in play and every turn four Urians in play, right? Like the, it, I don't think yeah. it's going to be as negative of an effect as companion, but I think it is going to be as ubiquitously powerful. Um, I think that like the amount of decks that want to take advantage of cards that can be lands 
uh, but on, then are also spells. And there's enough generically powerful stuff like Tangled Flora, Hen- Flora Hendren, which is the like two mana Llanowar Elf um, that like there's enough like generically powerful things that are worth considering for most decks. And we'll, we'll go through on a card by card basis. And, and obviously we're not even done with spoilers. So there might be me uh, future previews of these. Um, but I think that the ability to either cut down on lands for interaction for stuff like burn that like they get a generic card that is going to be good, but, or they just play this land tapped uh, so they can go down on lands or, for decks that want to play more lands, like a control deck that wants to always win the counter war, but then like late game also gets access to a massive board wipe or a threat or a card draw engine makes them seem like they're going to be played everywhere. And, 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 you know, one of the cards, some of the cards I just named are the ones that come into play untapped. So, um, the get started number one, and it's going to be reverse alphabetical reverse. Uh, I just, before we get yeah. started, I just want to, I just want to add to your point that you're talking about a uh, companion level power level. And I think something for anybody who's listening to the show, maybe for the first time, or possibly if you guys are returning, just like sort of to evaluate what that means. And you can clarify if I'm wrong here. But the idea with that is that because of its power level, uh, when when before the change with companions, you sort of were forced into a situation where all decks had to play a companion um, because the advantage you were getting for like almost no downside was so high. You just sort of had to do it. Um, and, and to some degree, like in one best of one on historic, there's a similar situation because why do you care about having it? Like every deck should have a companion in best of one. Cause like, why wouldn't you, you just get this thing. Um, and I do think that to some degree, what you're saying, I agree with you in terms of these cards will become ubiquitous in many formats uh, for that same reason that like the, the cost is so low. Um, but I don't think it'll be the same thing because even at their peak, I don't, there are like, like burn, for instance, modern burn. There's almost no situation where modern burn is going to need to is go is going to be interested in playing a tap land and the one you can pay three life which we're going to get to i don't know if it is good enough so it's like a deck like burn i don't know if there's a high enough quality card so far to make burn stand out but we will get there so i think i would rank it a little below i do expect it'll become ubiquitous but i don't think it's going to be powerful on the same level okay i i i guess like i'm even looking at the the song of mad treachery and i would like think about putting that in a mono red aggressive deck <laughs> like yeah let's let's talk yeah, let's yeah talk through uh so so the first one to really talk about and i mentioned it uh right before this so it's cool that we're getting right into it is tangled florahedron uh one in a green yep. elemental tap uh make one green mana it's a one one um and then on the other side it's a forest that or it's a, a green a green uh producing land that enters the battlefield tap now this card i was looking at my like twitter um analytics and when this artwork was previewed i like tweeted it out being like i would protect this boy with my life because he's this cute little hedron plant um yeah, it was like yeah, yeah. one of the top interacted picture tweets of that of the last like six months which is cool uh i love this guy i want i want to protect him he's so cute with his flowers i also i do think this is like pretty playable right like i think like i think the biggest issue here is it too redundant? Yeah, so I think I think what I would where I would sound off on on the cards you just mentioned so far, just an interesting thought is this is definitely the most powerful of these first four easy, right? This card's a real card. Um the one thing about this card that's interesting is like it doesn't playing it a a, a, a Lanor Elf on turn 2 is totally fine. Like I I'm not saying it's bad by any means. 
But what you get out of drawing this card later in the game is really not great. Right. It's it's right. just fine. Like it's, it's you're not really getting that much of an advantage to be a turn slower with an elf on turn one that can't cast a different elf if you have it as like one of your two lands. Mm-hmm. Like it could actually slow you down pretty significantly to have. So I, I think standard, this card is a definite player. It'll be a big part of standard. I don't know how far beyond it it goes. Yeah, I think the fact that it's elemental, I think I think it's front half, the tangled Florahedron gives it enough reason to see play in standard anyways, right? Like two mana Burt, two mana Llanowar Elves have seen play pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think actually this is a good example of kind of the op, like what you don't want these cards to do. What you want them to do is be good late game or lands you play early game. When they're both early game cards, it's not really worth it anymore because you rarely want to just play a land tapped late game. What you want to do is play a land tapped turn one, turn two, so that then late game, if you draw this, you can draw cards off of it or do some big splashy effect. So I think this has, yeah, kind of the opposite problem. Like I'm almost more willing to say that Zoth Consumption has a chance of seeing real play somewhere than Tangled exactly. Florahedron. Because it's, it's a land that's it's a land that, that does four damage. I mean, that's like, it, it's, right, if they right. can't gain life, like, I can close the game out. I think the interesting thing to point out, though, um, of what we're talking about here is that we haven't mentioned the word limited a single time. And where these cards are the most exciting in a lot of ways, these ones at the level we're talking about, these are all sweet and limited. Like mm-hmm. U- Umara mm-hmm. Wizard is is great. Like yeah, <laughs> Umara yeah. Wizard and limited is like, oh, yeah, I'll play a tapped land that you're telling me when I top deck this and I'm like totally screwed on just like mana flooded is a 4-3 that's going to be able to start beating in the air as an air elemental, basically. Like, most of these cards for limited are going to be totally legit. Oh, yeah. You won't play probably more than, like, 4 or 5 in a deck, but I could easily see if you could get 4 or 5 playing as many as 4 or 5 up to, like, 20 lands. If if Zendikar is as aggressive as original Zendikar, then yes. If it's not, and or it, you're able to stabilize, I think you play as many as you can. Like, I think it's almost like yeah. the old Conspiracy. Like, in Conspiracy, like, the first time I played Conspiracy with Gavin, uh... He stomped everyone, and the way he did it is he just grabbed every single conspiracy, no matter what. He didn't care if there was a conspiracy in the pack, he picked it. And basically, at the end of it, he was like, no, no, these cards all read, draw a card at the beginning of your turn. It's the same reason Companion was problematic, right? And these are similar effects, where every land, right. like late game, you now have, like, guarantees that you're, you won't get mana flooded, which are these cards. Um, the next card is Spikefield Hazard. One red, Spikefield Hazard deals one damage to any target if a permanent deals damage this way would die this turn exile instead uh flip side is a red mana uh so we were, we were talking i think with the it was a uh, brayden from the cdh cast and he actually was pretty excited by this i think for uh cdh or just like competitive formats i think like this has gut shotty it's like you get to play a gut shot but it's a land if you need it is to it be. a spot of a land like instead of it being yeah free, I, it's a I land. agree this one jumps out at me for sure. It's because because it's an instant as well, which makes it even like that much more exciting. Yeah, and and in terms of burn, this is definitely this is this is the card that, that jumps out at me right the most for burn so far. I guess we mentioned with the issue with Tangled Florahedron and the maybe the possibilities of Zoth consumption. What's this is the third option, right? Where it's like versatility. Um, this is almost like the charm effect, where like this is a card that like has a charm on one side of like. This is a blowout if this is good. If there's a moment where I get to kill an X one uh, because I have this in my deck, then this is the best card in my deck uh, because I just spent one mana to kill their two drop or three drop. It's dead. I just exiled it so they can't even get it back from their graveyard. And but if it's bad, if it's not good in that match, if you just play as a land like you just like you're you just yeah, play a mountain. Let me ask you mountain. this. 
How does how do these cards read in your graveyard? Is it a land or a creature? It's, or a, it's a instant. Now, now that is actually something that we haven't gone over is weirdness with rules. So, like for instance, uh, these are cards that like in a uh, living end deck, like all count as spells, but you can play them as lands or cast the spell side. Or that's like not the best example because there's still just three drops or more is what's available. But the fact that you can um there's like cards that like reveal a card it's converted mana cost um do a thing with that converted mana cost right and, and i'm not i'm blinking on right. cards that effect hopefully marshall can think of some and put them yeah, on. i know dark there's Con- my dark what, confidant or something i mean like well dark yeah. confidant is the opposite Sin side Potter. of that i'm thinking more something so you're like, like uh, so you're talking like Sin prodder like dusk mantle dusk mantle seer cards like that or uh, a good example uh, yes or even like an example would be a uh, 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 the red gear hulk right where like uh, so the red gear Hulk, when it enters play, you reveal you like your opponent gets to choose draw or they take damage and you either draw three cards or the three cards you would have drawn go to your graveyard and then they take damage equal to their total CMC. So if you're playing a deck with that red gear Hulk and you have a ton of these cards in here, not this one, cause it's a one drop, but you, you're playing with like the white one, right? That's like eight mana. Like you're just playing it as a land, but because you're having an effect that does damage, if they decide to take damage, they're taking, you know, 16 to the face if you reveal two of them. So like there's weird, like converted mana cost matter effects. There's not a lot of them in magic, but there's some and some of them are weirdly powerful and these can take advantage of those. Uh, well, so like spike field hazard, for instance, cannot be returned to my hand with life from the loam. Like none of correct, these cards can. They're all um, but, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. but it's, you know how Kess works with adventures. Yes. So, so for instance, um, the blue, green, black legend that lets you return a permanent of every card type from your graveyard to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he or they can cast um, the land side of these because it stuff like that only checks what it is once it's on the stack. Got it. Or when a land is entering play, right? When it's like it, when it's transferring zones is when these cards check effect. So cast can cast the instant side of adventures because it only cares that you're casting an adventure or you're casting an instant sorcery as it hits the stack. Um, so same deal here. You can play lands from your graveyard that way. Uh, I think also things like life, uh, 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 crucible worlds. I think you can play lands from your yard. These as lands. Wait, that I don't. That, I'm so confused as to how that works. Why so would Crucible it, why, doesn't like, care that you're playing a land until you're playing it. Like it's not. It's not checking ahead of time as you're as you're playing a land to make sure that card is a land. So I believe, and obviously we're going to get corrected if I'm wrong, but like basically what people have said. So another example is Rada, um, who lets you play or or uh, uh, Oracle Maldaya. Can okay. you can play lands from the top of your deck. You can play these from the top of your deck with a Rada, uh, with an Oracle Maldaya. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Well, I like this one. I like I like Spikefield Hazard a lot, so I'm sure we'll talk some more about the rules interactions as we go. The next card we have here is Song Mad Treachery, which is red, red, three. Gain control of target creature until on a turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until on turn. So it's it's an act of treason. It's a, a threat and effect. Um, what, also with a tapped red source on the other side. For limited bonkers, right? Because it's a tapped land that's going to have that effect that often wins limited games anyway. Do you play this in standard? Do you play this beyond standard? I mean... So I'm I'm I mean in Commander I have a treachery deck based around Kess called Kess Crimes. There's a deck list somewhere uh, on the internet. Uh, I'm snap putting this in that deck right because it's looking for for treachery effects in general that are better than just treachery. Um, this right. I think this is playable in a lot of other places. This is an effect that like can be back like can just win you the game right like 100%, without without yeah, even many, thinking many times about it. Has. Um, 
but like is never good enough to play in your main deck. Never good enough to play in your like even your sideboard. But as a like the fact that this is just a tap land, like this is a really powerful effect to have for free in your deck with, or like without taking a deck slot. And I I, I think this is one of the and we'll, we're going to see other ones. I, I think this is an interesting one to keep an eye. There's a reason this is five mana. Uh, I, I want to say, yeah, right, they, like normally a treachery, like yeah. like actor treason is three mana. That's this that is in like every set ever printed. And then like uh, actor treasury that gives it plus two plus zero four mana an actor treachery that lets you scry two or whatever that's all four mana so like the fact that this is five mana kind of should dictate what how good it is um next card is skyclave cleric this is a one three for two when it enters the battlefield you gain two life this uh one's- it's fine I, this is a good limited card i think there, there's probably more constructed application because it costs two and i think blocks well um also it's part of the whole cleric thing so it's yeah. part of your party um, this card might see play, to be honest with you. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if this card sees play in, like, standard blue-white control kind of a thing, just because it blocks, it gains you life, and it's a land. But mm-hmm. I think beyond... Like, it do, It reads a little bit like... Um, it reads a little bit like the story of... What's the two-mana? Gets you a land, gains two life, makes a wall. Birth of Melitus. Yeah. It reads a little bit like Birth of Melitus. It feels a little like that card. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they're really so. com- comparable. I think I think something also about this card is the fact that it's a cleric with, in regards to party decks, but it's kind of a free cleric. Yeah. Um, is is pretty. R- it's a free cleric that you're almost never too sad to cast. Like two life, one three for two is like pretty serviceable. Um, because of its stabilizing effect, the fact that it can now be a blocker. Like in 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 some ways, it's two mana gain six life a lot of the times because you'll block yeah. like a four attacking thing. So I, I think I think it's it's on the top end of these being playable. Uh, I think this next one is really playable. I think this next one is one of the better ones. Um, so mm-hmm. this next one is an instant saloon division. Uh, blue two. Sorry, I'm just gonna jump in because I I'm, I have to look at either the cards or I have to look at you, so I actually can't see how your body is language. So I have to just do it like this one. Oh, so got it. Uh, cool. I'm shaking my head like you do you. Yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're gonna call me boo, but you didn't. So, um, blue and two instant Salundi's vision. Look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal an instant or sorcery card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. It's an uncommon tapped blue source. So where this card is so good uh, is the fact that it reads instant. If this was a sorcery, it would still be good. You would still be able to use it. But the fact that in any kind of like draw go deck, this is your turn one land if you need it to be. And those decks don't care about playing a tap land on turn one almost ever. In modern, they want to be able to use the land to like draw a card. But often many formats don't care about playing a tap land on turn one, right? So like, look at Celestial Colonnade. So you play this card or you don't and you top it. Say what? No, I was was, going to say, honestly, like playing this tapped, uh, on turn one in modern forces you not to spend your serum visions early, which makes you a better player because you get to use it when you have more information. It's going to be a better card. Not the worst. Yeah. Like, so then like you're just sitting there holding, building your lands up first, you're holding open remand, right? Then you're holding open like Vendillion click or nimble destructionist or whatever three drop borrower that you want to flash in. Then you're holding up cryptic command and the whole time at any point in time, if you want to, you just have this extra card that you basically drew an Island and you're going to flash it in for three on turn five, you can play this and hold open counterspell to dig six. Digging six yeah. to get like a cryptic command for the next turn or to get that path of exit path to exile you need or to or, or to find your supreme verdict. Like there's so this card is great. This is a card that I almost assuredly will be playing in like 
many formats. Like it'll be in Highlander Gauntlet, it'll be in Arena Gauntlet, it'll be in Historic, it'll be in probably Modern. Um, I don't play this control deck in Modern very often, but I wouldn't be surprised if Blue White Control and Modern played this. Would yeah. not surprise me. Yeah, I like this card a lot. Uh, next card, Shajiri Shelter. One in a white instant. Target creature control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Instant. Uh, it's an instant. So this it makes, is an it, effect that makes that, it good. Yeah, yeah. This is an effect that sees play all the time. Uh, normally it's one mana, but the fact that this can be a land, I'm 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 relatively off it, but this is the type of effect that other people play and love, and I have never played and will continue not to play, but other people will like it. Moving to the next card, Palaka. Sweet and limited. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Palaka Predation. Two and a black target opponent reels their hand. You choose a card from it with converted mana cost three or greater. That player discards that card. I actually don't like this card. Uh, I think it it has the same problem uh, as the as Tangled Feldehorn, where it's like it's an eff- they're both effects that you want early, right? The earlier you cast this, the better. Um, yeah. Except that the front end of this card is unplayable. I would never play a three yeah, and- mana reverse yeah, exactly. inquisition across thing. Once again, where this card is good specifically is limited because you're going to get their six drop or their seven drop. They're going to try to win the game with out of their hand before they cast it. I mean, even if you draw too many lands, this is an okay card. It's a no, this is a, this is an okay reason to keep your opening hand because it just means that if you have one too many lands on your opener, you're going to get their best thing out of their hand before they cast it. That's like, that's what this card is to me. I think by being a land, this makes this card playable in limited where previously I wouldn't even touch it. Right. Like this is a card I wouldn't touch in limited before. And now it's like a card that I would be fine with being my 23rd card and even then be unhappy about it. Uh, Malakar Rebirth. One Next black. Card is sick. Uh, instant. Choose target creature. You lose two life until end of turn. That creature gains. When this creature dies, return to the battlefield under your contr- under its owner's control. Uh, and then the reverse side is a tapped black. Dude, this card's good. Sure. <laughs> this card's this card's sweet. Because this card is... It's basically Undying Evil, right? But instead of giving a plus one, plus one counter, it's a land. <laughs> And like, mm-hmm. think about think about how this card functions in like Mardu Pyromancer type of decks or any kind of those Rakdos decks that work in modern or in a historic, obviously any of those decks that are just playing on like getting value out of casting one mana things. This is an instant speed. So like you're sitting there with all of your lightning bolts and all your cool things open and they're like, OK, go to kill your Pyromancer. And you're like this extra land from my opening hand, I'll just cast it, get a 1-1, save my Pyromancer, it comes back, countered your spell, and it cost me a land. Yeah, I I don't think it's insanely good, but the fact that it costs 1 as an instant is the same thing I'm talking about with the the, the gut shot. I think this card is super legit. I do think this is worse than the gut shot, just because like the, the value of drawing it late is a lot worse. I think it's a weird one to me, because it's a card, the tension of playing this and not playing this on this card more than any of the ones we've talked about before is much higher, right? Because this card is marginal, but when it's good, it's great. It's countering a removal spell and it's saving your creature and maybe you get an extra ETB. But for the most part, your goal, like if you, if you have, if you have, for instance, three lands in play and you don't draw a land and this is in your hand, it's going to be hard for me to not just play this as a land if I need to. So I think that's where it's marginability goes up to me. Um, But I see what you're saying that like, it's so versatile for one mana. Obviously, it's something that's really cool. I just, I think this, like the white protection spell is another effect that I'm like. Wow, your answer that, is yeah. basically who plays, your, your, your answer is basically who plays Undying Evil. And that's a good, it's a good answer. Um, um, so 
McKinney Stampede is our next one. This is an interesting one on the same level of the of the threaten, right? Because it's it's white, white, three sorcery. Creatures you control get plus two, plus two until end of turn. On the flip side is a tapped white source. So in limited, this card's bonkers. I think in limited, this first, this might be a first pack, first pick in limited, to be honest with you. Maybe. Just because I think, just because I can see situations where you're like, this. it's not only is it going to be a card that when I play it is either going to win me the game or create a horribly unfavorable situation for my opponent that they have to block and lose their whole board. But it's also just a land slot to do it. And mm-hmm. like you're getting, you know, basically scaled down white overrun for the for a land spot. So I think it's really good. I don't know if there's any deck I can think of in a competitive format. There might be a white weenie deck in standard or something like that that wants to take advantage, but none of the white decks, like like, you know, none of the white creature decks, I think, in modern would do anything with this. Yeah. Um like something like a Soul Sisters, though, I, I guess is something I would Maybe. think about because like like this is a card that 90% of the times they're playing as a tap land, right? Like the, the point of this is that but some matchups, they're going to have like five Soul Sisters in play. Their opponent has like two blockers. They've been able to like do some damage early, but then their opponent was able to stabilize because all their creatures are small and they haven't drawn their Johnny Primate. So those were answered. And you're just like, oh, right. This land gives me overrun and I win. So like that's that's I yeah, think like, the, the, the fact that it does read I win on one side in in moments that when you draw it late is good um, to me is what, what makes this more playable to me than, than cards that are only good early, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine. I just, I think, I think those decks you're talking about, like a soul sisters type of deck, even if you're talking about the version of historic, like they so badly want to be hitting their one drop on turn one and their two drop on turn two, they play like castle Ardenvale. I think it's the, the white one that makes one ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do it like reluctantly, but they can they can play it untapped if they have the plane situation. I think this card is pretty bad if you have like this and a planes and you have like a one drop and a two drop. Like your hand is real awkward with this in your opening hand. So I think you sure I think it's right on the edge. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's played. Uh, next fair. up, we have Calney Ambush. It's a green two target creature you control fight target creature you don't control. Um, and it's an instant and it comes into play as a tap green source. So you know, they're, they're, they're really going ham these last few years on green fight effects. It's become like, you know, like that's what the, that's like green's thing now. There's just tons of them. Um, and I think like probably those green decks don't care that much about having a tapped green source. Uh, mm-hmm. Often they're playing beefy things. Oh. So I think it's a pretty, pretty high upside. I, I think my issue here is that just card just medium, right? Like, like, I, I guess comparing it to the last card the last card if i get it i win right if i and 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 so having a free win condition uh at right moments like basically both of these cards have have the same good moment right i have creatures in play i have this card this is good mckinney stampede yeah wins me the game this card maybe kills a creature and I lose a creature. So I'm down two cards for their one card. So I two for one myself, unless my creature is bigger than their creature. And if my creature was bigger than their creature, why did it like it? It, it, it needs yeah. so many things to go right for you to be medium versus McKinney Stampede, which we're already saying is kind of borderline needs like needs you to just do the thing you're going to do and it's going to be good. And you just like, it's only bad yeah. if they wipe your board. Like it's bad against. The I agree. In, in, in the right, in the right moment, McKinney Stampede wins the game in the right moment. Colony ambush is like a good trick, like probably unlimited. Maybe, That's probably yeah. its best ability. So next up, our next instant is another three drop. It's red to Kazul's fury as an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice a creature, sacrifice creature deals damage equal to sacrifice preacher's power to any target. So it's fling at instant speed. Which I think fling is instant speed. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's it's um, thud. That's the sorcery speed version of fling at one. Yeah, minute. so it's it's just it's just three mana fling that comes into play tapped. I think it's interesting actually 
the like the decks that want to take advantage of fling like the combo decks that want to take advantage like in modern like the soul gorger type of decks where you're trying to deal like eight or ten with like two cards um those decks getting extra flings at the in the land slot it's pretty great because yeah. if you think about the from the concept the only decks that play fling are like generally speaking limited decks in certain formats or there are combo decks that that want as many copies of their cards right so those decks probably are playing fling and they're maybe playing thud or they're maybe playing like other similar effects that are pretty marginal cards. So I think being able to play, say, like two of these in your fling deck, even four possibly, um, and not having to sacrifice anything other than a land spot to have redundancy makes the card interesting. Mm -hmm. Like it's a brewer's card. I don't think it's a power card, but there's something cool to it. I think like, yeah, yeah, standard historic, uh, definitely a card to consider. I think in commander, if you're trying to do fling things, this is the best fling ever printed for those formats, right? Because it's like fling the problem with fling is when it's bad it's you don't have a creature in play you don't have the combo piece is just a card that's not doing yeah. anything in your hand this was always just a land which is like great um i i have a deep deep love for this card purely because it's a kazool card um and he's the star of this card and they brought him back at least in this level uh for those who don't know kazool is a legend from zendikar i think it's one of the first cards i ever own, like owned as an adult like easily within my first like 500 cards i've ever owned uh i definitely one of my first standard decks i ever built had kazool in it as a, like a red white prison deck do you know what the kazool kazool is do you remember this card not really it's like five mana one, no no five mana minotaur uh i think not a minotaur five mana ogre I forget. Uh, it's right here. Marshall's luckily showing it. But basically, whenever someone Turn attacks you, screen. you make a 3-3 three, three token uh, for every creature attacking you unless they pay three. So just a flavorful card that like really connects with you, you because of when you had it. Well, you like it's it when if you have it in play, it's really good. People attack and you make a bunch of ogre tokens and they never pay the mana. Dwari's Disruption, one in a blue instant counter target spell unless its controller pays one. Yeah, this card is so sweet. This card is like <laughs> top, top, top of the list in terms of the cards that I'm hyped on. So we had a whole conversation in the MMCast uh, text thread with, with you know, Michael and, and Marshall and the two of us. And the conversation becomes like, is it, you know, Force Spike versus Sensor versus Spell Pierce versus this card? Uh, I think Pierce actually relates to a different card that was spoiled. But um, the whole conversation about this is very interesting because it's a guaranteed tapped blue source. So you do not get the untapped blue that effectively you know, you need to cast your one drop to cast your other counter spell. Um, but if you have two of them in your opening hand, you have an island, you're able to play this tap, play the island, hold this open the next turn, right? I don't find sensor to be that good, but I know sensor is at least decent. Um, sensor gets you a card, this gets you a land, so they're very comparable in that sense. I feel like probably I take this card over sensor, and the reason is because I always want to play less lands in my in my low to the ground blue decks. Always, always, always. And you can do that with sensor, but if you don't draw a land in your opening hand because you're playing like 20 lands or 19 or something like that, and you have a sensor, you have to mulligan the hand. But if I draw this card, right, I can keep the hand because even if it's my only land necessarily and everything in my deck costs one or two. So I think I prefer this. It's right next to sensor though. What do you think? I think I like sensor more. It, it, it's kind of where I've been on this whole time where it's like these both sides of these cards are good at the same time, which to me brings where it's not as good. Like I, I want this turn one. I want this turns two through four. I don't really want a tapped land turn seven or turn six. Now, the small difference is that like because it just cycles and but I, I want sensor. Like if I top deck this card on turn five, how happy am I? And I'm pretty sad on both ends now. 
that's not totally true, right? Like you can get people on turn four with the and a turn five with the Gerard disruption. They'll play two spells. You get the second one, so that's fine. And also, I've definitely been like, oh, I have this six drop. It's turn four. I need this to come and I'll, I'll play this tapped on turn four, so that turn five I play the untapped land and then I can play my five drop. Right? Like you, you can time your tapped lands correctly for it to be fine. Um, and the like the front half of the card is powerful. I think though that like in the long run. I like liked sensor so much and I never played it and I'm still not really playing it anywhere. And yeah, I like yeah. that card more than this card. Standards. Are different well, let me, let me just let me, but, let me just yeah. let me just throw a thought at you really quickly and then we'll move on from this because I if you keep an opening hand, let's let's pretend you're playing mono blue in historic or, or let's say you're playing like a, a a heavy, heavily low to the ground blue deck in, in modern. Right. I don't really know what modern deck is mono blue or would be doing that. But, you know, blue red spells or something like that. And let's say sensors in your opening hand and you have one blue source, right? An untapped blue source. It's a one lander. And you're like, okay, I'm on player draw. You're like, I can keep this because I love the hand, but I have one land in it. So you, you cycle the sensor. Maybe you don't hit your land drop. Then you're really, you know, you're, you're, you're bummed. Sure. Yeah, flip yeah, yeah. that to flip that to the one land situation where your second land is this card. So now you're like, well, I have a one lander. I don't have my sensor to draw me my extra card, but I actually have two lands even, you know, and like, to me, that's like so many more games are lost by making that gamble on a one land hand than being forced to keep a two lander. That's not ideal. That also has a counter spell in it that I think like probably more of the time you will play more successful games of magic in the formats that would play a card like a sensor or a disruption. So like top half last five years. I think you'll get more games of magic that you don't just lose to yourself when you're playing with this card versus sensor is my guess. Cause I have a tendency to keep those one landers off the cyclers. So, yeah, so I guess there's two things. One, I don't think you should keep one blue source sensor and like very specific. You're like, your deck has to have multiple other ones. I mean, like you shouldn't do that. Right. I'm not saying people don't do that. I'm <laughs> I've done that, but like, I, the, especially <laughs> in the world with the London Mulligan where like this, your Mulligan, like, that's like turn your mulligan down to five at that point, maybe is when I start keep thinking of keeping that hand um, on the flip side, pun intended um, with this one. Yes, you're right. This is a better card in that situation, but you have this card, one blue mana and a three drop. So you have this a one blue source, actually even two blue. You have two blue sources, this and a three drop. Do you play this on turn one? Tapped. No, definitely not. You, you have two, you have you have two, two blue sources and a three drop. No, no, sorry. You have this and yeah, one. You this, have more... this and one blue source. Sorry, not not three. You have you have this and one blue source and a three drop. Do you play yeah, this, you play on this tapped one? on turn one? Okay, every time. Okay. Um, because it's and I mean that's that's the value and and you know it's one of your lands. So like I I yeah I I think I think this card's better barely, but I think it is better. Okay. Next card. Um, next up is Black Bloom Rogue, which is black two creature human rogue. It's a two three menace. Uh, human rogue, blackborn, black bloom rogue gets plus three plus zero as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. So potentially you're playing a five three for three mana that has menace if they have eight or more cards in their yard, and it's on the flip side as a tapped black source. So this card's interesting because, like, yeah. the reality of it is a five three menace creature. Even even if you are playing a format like, I mean, I guess modern has lightning bolt, but like. If you're playing any format, a 5-3 Menace creature, in a lot of cases, is a win condition enough to win the game. If you have other things to support it, 5 power is a lot of power. Um, it's a land. 
in theory, you're playing this alongside cards that are going to guarantee there's eight cards in your graveyard all the time. I don't know this is like a constructed staple by any means, but I definitely think this card is something. I This this card's pushed a little bit. I uh, think plus two plus O oh is what I would have expected. So, so two things. One, obviously the creature type is... The creature type and then a bunch of cards printed around that creature type are the two most relevant things, right? There is a mill your opponent and get bonuses for it theme within the rogue tribe this year uh, since M21. So like there's the one drop that it has death touch if they're and right or it has death. It has yeah. death touch and it gets plus two yeah, plus thieves, zero. Thieves right? Guild they have eight cards yeah. in the graveyard or something. So so like that's a theme that so it's on theme, right? This card is working with your theme. Worst case scenario, you can play it as a land always, right? So it's a creature land in many ways uh, with a tribe that's relevant based on ability that's relevant to that tribe. So all of that in a pile, put in every rogues deck, go for it. Yeah, I, I think that's and, and like at that point, the conversation comes into like how marginal do you want your lands to come into play tapped, etc. Um, so I think from that perspective, it's just uh, it's good. Next up, we have Balagad Recovery. Green two sorcery return target card from your graveyard to your hand. It comes into play as a tapped green source. I think I think regrowth effects are really hard to gauge. I think the difference between regrowth and like treasured find uh, or, or like or like treasured find and eternal witness, for instance, it's always like really nebulous and hard to figure out which ones are going to be good. I don't think this card is good, uh, but it's probably playable. There's probably a cards. deck that's willing to play this card. I think the fact that it doesn't exile itself when you cast it is like super relevant. Uh, okay, yeah. So like, like a lot of regrowth effects have have historic recently been stuff that has an exile rider on it. It's partially because regrowth was broken back in the day. Like it is a card that has been banned. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you can like rebuy it and you can play it and it's something else and you can kind of do shenanigans with that. Um, I think the fact that it interacts with lands in the way it does is also makes it just playable in every commander format very every yeah. lands commander deck just because like the fact that or excuse me oracle of maldaya can play this card off the top of your deck as a land and then uh you can crop rotation this into your graveyard uh, or crop rotation something else into your graveyard and then use this to get it back like it just like is such a workhorse card that does so much and like because it has the land tribal side like it it takes advantage of those things i like i think this card is actually really powerful um, from a versatility perspective. And then out of the fact that there's actually maybe just broken things I'm not thinking about that you can do with it, right? Like you can just like re rebuy time twisters and extra turn effects and whatever. <laughs> we haven't mentioned yet. Um, one of the things that I think is the most interesting about these, the more powerful land effects uh, or the more powerful spell effects that are on these lands. Like what about when you play this, this card on turn one and then like in some format you play a bounce land, you get this card back. So now you've returned a spell to your hand that got to function early as a land for you. That's pretty good, right? There's anything that's going to be able to return land, like like return a land to your hand, so then you can get the other side of it once you need it. I think there's definitely going to be some interplay with these cards, and something like this that's a relevant card is is exactly the kind of card you'd expect that for. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of you know you know uh, the Azusa um, Primeval Titan type of deck. I don't know if it's that one in particular that does take advantage of a card like this as one of their lands. Imagine, no, like imagine, West. imagine playing this in Amulet Titan as a one of, right? You like play it as a land early. If you draw it late, it's amazing. You can get a packed back. You, oh, I'm peeking. You can get a packed back. You can get a, like a Primeval Titan they've killed. You can get a Teleria West you cycled. You can get, um, like any of the things you would want, right? Like, so it's great buying stuff back. But also you can play it as a land and then, yeah, the, the, the bounce land interaction is so strong there that like, I think that, yeah, I think this, this card's like, 
this card specifically is on probably if I were to rate all of these closer to the top for me so far of like most likely just to see play. Um, well, yeah, because like you, you, what you go like turn one, this card taps, turn two, tap it for green, bounce it back to your hand, play like Avril Grazer, put a different land into play. Like, the, you know, there's there's plenty of uses for the one green. Uh, Valakut Awakening, two and a red, instant. Put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library, then draw that many cards plus one. Uh, this card's insane. I think this is on the top end of these cards in general. It's an instant. So it's an instant red card that lets you sculpt your hand while also creating a bunch of draw card triggers while also letting the stack the bottom of your deck, which can be relevant while also just being able to always just be a land like, and this card is always good late game and is fine to play on turn one. I mean, I think it's not always good late game because what if you're in top deck mode, then this card doesn't do anything. What's like just a land. What cycles? Uh, that's true. Actually, that's true because it's plus one. It's an instant speed. So cycle. you put so worst case scenario, you you cast this and you draw. If this is the only card you draw this, you have no cards in hand. It's the last card you have. It's three mana draw card. Instant speed. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, this card is really good. You're yeah. right. I didn't even think about that because of the plus one effect. No matter what, you draw this thing. And if it's the only you just cycle it away yeah. and it's also a land early. Yeah, cards pretty bonkers. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in red, right? Like that's that's also like not a color that normally gets something like that. Um, I think it's really good. Uh, all right. Do you want to do the lands now or do you want to do the land? Let's do the lands now. I think it's time. Okay. Um, yeah. So we have a cycle. We have a cycle of these lands. They they enter the battlefield uh, as one or the other. So you have blue red. You have red white. You have red green. You have black green, and you have oh wait, is more of them? White black. There's, there's oh, and there's, there's and there's blue black. There's, there's six. There, the four that they don't have. They don't have green black. They don't have blue green. They don't have red black, and they don't have blue white. Uh, and it's been confirmed that all four of those are in Keldheim. So, so the next, the the, 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 the the remaining four to yesterday, Monday, uh, Maro's the state of design article kind of went over that uh, the theme of the year is these type of you get to choose which side comes into play flip cards. And Keldheim has the next four lands is an example of that. Um, so he was able to confirm that versus everyone. So these, so yeah, this, so this cycle is interesting. Um, it's, it's, I think one of the particularly interesting things about it is that it feels like design space that just, I can't believe hasn't been explored yet. Um, they're untapped, which is good, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, you have to make your decision in terms of the untapped nature. So they feel, uh, not the same, but they have sort of a similar effect to let's say like prismatic Vista, you know, I could get you five colors obviously, but it's still that idea that you have to sort of make the decision of what this is going to be the turn you go for it. Um, doesn't turn into a basic, obviously. Um, but interesting. I think they're interesting lands. I just, I think the fact that they're untapped makes them totally playable. I don't think they're bonkers, but they're, they're pretty good. I I think, I think a, any of them that are enemy colors are just like auto includes and commander now forever, uh, because enemy color land combos don't have enough options. Um, but so that has deck building restrictions, right? It does lean you farther away from three color decks. It leans you closer to two color decks, uh, where so that way you don't have like you won't get as punished it makes playing um if you're if you're not leaning into a specific color it makes playing two pip cards or more much harder so like something that's like black 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 is a lot harder to cast um with these cards because you might have to choose to pick the the white side of the black white one right you 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 won't always put the black side in um but they come into play untapped with no restrictions, you always get an untapped land out on one of these, which I think is extremely relevant. And why, why like fast lands are comparable, right? They have, they have a different drawback there than fast lands. Like they don't ever come into play tapped, but you, 
the like mid game, they're the worst. Uh, like turn yeah, so let me, four. They're so let bad. me let me throw this at you. Let me throw this at you because like so I agree with everything you just said. But I think where these lands compare really favorably to other lands that we have, you know, that we haven't had, um, or sorry, compare favorably to lands we have had, um, is that so fast lands, if you packed out a three color deck with 12 of them, uh, like as people did sometimes, you definitely have that case of the feel bads where you have a bad run and just lands four through six are all coming in tapped. Mm-hmm. It really hampers the middle of the game with st- like, like shock lands. Like if you play 12 shock lands, you're trying to play three colors. You take a lot of damage. It's rough. You definitely hurt yourself a lot doing that, especially if there's fetch lands involved. If you play pain lands, uh, same kind of thing. If you draw a bunch of pain lands, right? Or let's say as you're playing like the, the Modern Horizons ones, you know, you definitely take a lot of damage. Um, temples come into play tap. Check lands, sometimes you get two of them, you get a little screwed. Where these are so interesting is that if I want to play a three-color deck and I play 12 of these in my deck, there's no drawback at all. Like they're they're really good. They're they're just gonna get me where I want to get, probably. I probably have to be a little careful with like what color spells I'm playing in my deck and, and how aggressively I'm going with double and triple casting costs. But otherwise, I don't care how many of these I draw. They're all untapped dual lands. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, they're yeah. all getting me what I need the turn I draw them, which I think makes them very strong. And I think almost deceptively, just like deceptively weak, but I think they're very good, actually. I think it's a really good point. Like the, the ability to draw multiples of these and be fine makes them like top tier mana fixing ever printed i think so yeah. um I, like and and maybe in the top like i think they're to me i think honestly i think they're horizon lands power level that's where i i have them in my head where horizons cost is a lot higher but their upside is a lot higher right but these um have all the upside that you just described and the cost is like just having to make a choice and sometimes you're gonna want black black on turn two and green green on turn three and these lands aren't going to work out for you and that that's I think like singleton formats I think oh, singleton formats they're good but they're but they're like they're good but they're not like insane um they're just good lands but i definitely think in the format like in the standard format when you have six of these i think it's going to be and eventually 10 i think you're going to see really cool like yeah. like four and five color decks and I, I think like yeah in, in 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 singleton formats just stop playing fast lands these are better. And you should already stop playing. I had a whole conversation about that where like the signet lands or fast lands, what's better and the kind of conversations, they're both bad. Um, but these are just like better than those. I think these will see play in tons mm-hmm. of commander decks. I think the the, but I, I agree with you that it's their greatest strength is that you can play a deck that's all of them. I can play a 30. I can. Well, is there enough? Six times three. There's 24, man. You could yeah. right now you could play right now. You could play a five color deck with 24 of these in your deck. And like every land you draw is, a, is effectively a dual land. Um, I think is a very yeah. you, there's probably going to be a five color deck in standard that's doing exactly yeah. that. So um, pretty cool. Let's continue moving through here. Yep. Our next card is Ondu inversion. White, white, six sorcery, destroy all non-land permanents. It's a tapped white source. It's a rare. Um, I think probably this is a one of in a standard control deck. It probably could be a one of in like a, in like a modern deck. The fact that it's, this is, you know, it gets rid of planeswalkers. It's such a powerful effect. I can see this just being a one, like there's a world where this is a one of in every deck that plays every control deck ever printed. That's playing white, right? Like like you don't lose anything in those decks. Those decks have much less of a problem because you have like basically turns three through six is just playing tapped lands um, and just keeping counter magic up. (laughs) So, I I can see Dex just roll free rolling this card as a one of because like drawing having this late game is just so powerful and having that as a benefit. Um, 
I guess yeah, maybe you play more than one of these, to be honest. Now that the more that I think about it, I mean, like Ugin's so good. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, this is not as powerful as Ugin, but like it, it cost eight, right? And when you get to eight and you cast Ugin, you probably win. Like if you're playing this in the land slot in your deck and you just have a, you know, planar cleansing, like, yeah, you probably, I wouldn't be surprised if, if I wouldn't be surprised if control decks play two or three of these, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I guess it just depends on which other tap lands you want to play, but yeah, it is really good now, in the land slot. Now that we're in the rare area, it's also like, if this is good enough to see play in modern and maybe one other one is good enough to see play in modern, do I play like how much like deprived just increases its power level exponentially? Yeah, right. It's and, deprived and like, becomes so like, good. Do I just play a blue white bounce land just like one of them as just an option? Where it's just like probably right, like 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 getting the ability to draw these back to your hand later, and cards that let you do that increase in power level. Like like another one is Maltani, the uh, six mana. It's power and toughness equal how many lands you control. But if it's in your graveyard, you can pay one and a green to return it to your hand and return two lands to your hand. Like that card with these cards in historic or whatever is also kind of insane. So I I think I think like returning stuff to your hand effects have a lot more value. What's the card from Mercadian Masks? Trade routes? Is it one blue, one colorless? For a colorless, you can return a land you control yeah. to, to your own hand. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine just playing a deck with like all of these mm-hmm. and just that. Like, I'll just pick and choose which of my lands I want to turn into spells. Right, right. Kazandu uh, Mammoth, one green, green, landfall. One green, green, three, three elephant. Backside is a tapped forest. Uh, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, Kazandu Mammoth gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Uh, so... This is a three mana five five or a three mana seven seven in modern with fetch lands. That's rough a forest tapped land all the time. I think this card's for really those good. on audio. It's 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 not a forest. It's just a tapped green source. Just to clarify. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not, yeah. None of them are. Yeah. Just making sure. Um, I agree. I think uh, especially especially considering like in modern, if you're playing the like twelve fetch land green deck that's got uh, mana creatures in it, and you go like turn one mana creature, turn two mammoth. And then you're like, yeah, turn three, I'll play this fetch land and attack you for seven. Uh, right. That seems that seems good. That seems real good. Uh, it feels like the fact that you have this card, they printed another step links, and we have so we have like there, there was another step links in the set, right? They yeah, gave us yeah, a step links. They have a red, red, red step links. It's 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 a red. So zero now you. So now you're playing Naya. Cards. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, now you're like playing. Now you're playing like Naya, Birds of Paradise, with like four of these and and four each of those other ones, and probably some other effect that just lets you go completely ham. Like, seems pretty good. I think. I think. I don't think Mammoth is insane because it doesn't have Trampler or anything like that. But uh, I think it's playable. I think it's a good card. Like this is a creature I have no problem having in play in the late game. I was just gonna say the Landfall creatures have an especially cool uh, presence with these because not only obviously is he just a good creature who can be a land in your deck, but he's a land that triggers the other landfall creatures in yes, your deck. Yes. So if your is a land later, he makes all of your creatures bigger. Oh yeah. And, and, it, and it, in historic, especially like a green red landfall deck that's aggressive. Yeah. Like playing this is sweet. And I think this is great in, in not modern. Um, Hagra mauling two black, yeah. black instant. This spell costs one less to cast. If your opponent controls, no basic lands, destroy target creature. Uh, this card's also really good. This card's great. This yeah. card's this card's probably one of the better cards in the set. Um, I guess it depends on format a little bit. Like standard, probably we're not going to be. Granted, we just talked about how many of these non basics people in standard are going to be playing. But uh, I mean, if you have black black to store target creature, that's also a land. <laughs> I mean, that seems like great value. Like in the, in the way that murderous rider was like 
just so ubiquitous and has been. It's one black black. It'll uh, it can never it can never be black black. It'll always be it's either two black black or one black black. Oh 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 oh! oh. I thought it cost one less for. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Eh, it's it's still good. It's still good. I, like people are playing four mana destroy target creature now. Normally it's exile target planeswalker creature, right? That's like the 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 normal yeah, thing exactly. for four mana you want. This is only a creature, but it's also a land. Uh, it does a lot. It's like it's like and it's it's one of those cards like. I would love to top deck this. No problem. Yeah. No, mo- almost every matchup I've ever played, uh, like getting this is fine as a top deck and then getting this on turn one to two, no problem playing it tapped. And so I think that's, that's the sign of one of these cards being playable. Um, yeah. Uh, next card is glass pool mimic two and a blue shapeshifter rogue. You may have glass pool mimic enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature you control, except it's a shapeshifter rogue in addition to its other types. So it keeps its rogue status that has to do with the party mechanic. You get another rogue. Uh, so it is rogue tribal. That is a land and it doubles up your best rogue. So you're going to have to tell me if that's rogue playable. Um, but I think it's I think fine. It's fine. I think it's I think bad. It's fine. I think. Yeah. And I, I don't think it, it, it costs three as a creature, which like makes it in the in like any of the rogue builds like just good enough. If you play this on turn three and it's like a Una's Blackguard, for instance, which is like one of the in, in historic or historically, it's one of the only modern uh, it's only one of the only rogue tribal cards that's like really sweet. Mm-hmm. It's just not that good. It it comes into play as a rogue and it's like a two two Una's Blackguard. Mm-hmm. It, it's OK. I just think the fact that it's a land, I guess, is interesting. But, but it, like it doesn't have those, to copy a rogue, the, but. Yeah, I just mean it's like a blue-black... It's probably a blue-black deck, right, is what you're probably doing, because if you're trying to have, take advantage of the rogue synergy. And, like, those decks want... They they, they have lots of one-drops. They don't want to play this tapped, pretty much ever. Like, I think almost don't want tapped lands, period. I think this card's better in decks that are um, more on the party train. Right? Like, if you're trying to take yeah. advantage of the party mechanic, this is always your rogue. Like, you get this as a rogue, but then you get more powerful effects from your other creatures, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think, I, I, I've never loved clones that only copy things in play under your control. Uh, I know other people have been Agreed. Johnny about them and broke them, but I'm always reticent to play those. Because, as again, if I top deck this and I'm behind, I have nothing in play, and this is the only card I have available, this card's terrible. Uh, it doesn't do anything. Uh, so I'm I'm off it. Um, and and so that's the end of the rare. So the rare cycle is the the mimic, the removal spell in black, the the board wipe in white, the mammoth in green, and the card draw spell in red. We are now into the last cycle that we have revealed. And I believe I believe as far as the rares and mythics go, this is everything. I don't think we're gonna get. And I think that this is everything else. We're mostly been previewed at this point. Well, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go for the first one. Uh, Turn Timber Symbiosis. Four green, green, green. So that's seven mana. Three green. Four four generic. Uh, Sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield. If that card had converted mana cost three or less, it enters the with three additional plus one plus one counters on it. Put the rest on the bottom of your library uh in random order now now two things one because of the way the mechanic works the three counters allows like any hydra to come into play this is meant to kind of play in the hydra space so you get to play um the and that's why there's a hydra in the artwork so you get the like hydra can come into play and get the counters it needs to survive um it also is kind of meant to be like you just spent seven mana and all you're getting is a two drop here is a two drop that gets plus three plus three um i think this is the worst of these five spells and I think it's the worst by a pretty wide margin. 
of the myth. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I don't know if we I don't know if we mentioned uh, the 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 flip side that. Yeah, so the so the, the mechanic on the next the next four and this one included, they all are they're not types. They're not like forest or island. They're all like just a green source, a black source. But they state they enter the battlefield tapped unless you pay three life. So this can be an untapped green source on turn one if you pay three life. Um, and so that makes all five of these elevated way, way, way up because like it's an untapped source of the color you need on turn one or it's a big splashy spell you can draw late. Um, it's like in the space of of like summoning trap or like see the unwritten that like those types of effects. Um, it's just it costs seven and it's not instant. It's just OK. I guess where I wasn't thinking of the problem is at seven mana, it's so expensive. Um that and all of these are are expensive, but it, it's it's like the deck I would imagine it being kind of cool on is like anything with playing Emrakul that's playing like trying to cheat Emrakul and play because you can just play this as a land that comes to play untapped at your land. And then one out of a thousand games, you get to cheat Emrakul to play because you got to seven mana, you get to cast this spell. And, and maybe in yeah. Pioneer and Historic and Standard, that's a deck, right? Like maybe maybe just. Especially once we get to Shadows Over Innistrad, which I think is the next set. I know we have two sets. We have Kaladesh in the next one. But like, oh, right now you can just cheat. You can cheat Ulamog, right? Like you can you can use this in a cool deck that's trying to cheat Ulamog into play. And maybe that's good enough. Maybe this alongside um, uh, 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 Luka, like a Luka deck that's playing this is like a backup plan. We'll see play. That's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, there there is that. I I think also keep in mind, so something something I think about this uh, that is really powerful, and I think especially for Historic, there's a Mono Green Historic deck that's like one of the better decks right now you can play. And what it's basically doing is just trying to ramp out good things. Like it's trying to play a turn two Leaf Crab Paladin, the 5-4 the for three. Um, and it's, it's trying to play that, and it's trying to play like Questing Beasts and all, you know, like just good things in green, Nissa and stuff like that. So having this card in that deck to be able to get you the exact curve you want, playing four of this card in that deck. And then it means that like once you've accelerated, you have all of your mana creatures out and your Paradise mm-hmm. Druids and everything, you draw this card, and you're like, great. Well, now I just drew my seven mana card that also was going to function as my turn one land, and it's going to dig for my Ulamog or my Crater Booth Behemoth or whatever. Like this, yeah, okay. this in the elf deck, like this in the elf deck is just a turn one land that just digs for Crater Hoof when you need it to. Because you don't, at the point that you can't, yeah, no, I, I think I think I got lost in the second half of the ability where it's focusing on cost threes. The fact that this is just summoning trap that's a land is pretty dope. Yeah, and especially because it's in green, right? So like and green actually just wants you to have an untapped source for an elf on turn one. Mm-hmm. So it's that it's that much more important that it's an untapped source that I just think it fits the style of what those green decks want to do. So I, I give it I give it a nod. Let's see what the other ones do. Yeah, and we can I'll, I'll, rank I'll, them I'll, re- I'll reverse my opinion. I think this is actually super playable. I'm sorry. I, I, I have you've changed my mind, Ben. Uh, I admit that I was wrong. <laughs> Rare. Um, yeah, I think like like also just like even legacy elves, right? Just playing one of these is like fine there because like you also have ways to return lands, I think. Right. Symbiote lets you do that. No, that's a creature. Uh, and not the other one returns for us. But basically, like just like if you draw this late game and you have guys cradle online, this gets you your dope thing. And worst case scenario, it gets you like Oracle of Maldaya. Um, and then in like elves, you know, like at, at the, the earlier the format you get, the less tribal focused you are and the more like just trying to find a big ramp spell. So, yeah, I think this is dope. Crop uh, rotate into it. Crop rotate into a bounce land. End of turn. Get your sweet spell in hand. Right. Like, you know, yep, next up, we have Shattered Skull Smashing. 
Red, red X, sorcery. Shattercall smashing deals X damage divided as you choose among up to two target creatures and or planeswalkers. If X is six or more, Shattercall smashing deals twice X damage divided as you choose among them instead. So that's, again, it's the other side. It's red, and you can pay three to have it come in untapped. So it's red, red X for, like, sorcery speed. You know, I I pay five or I pay six or whatever, and I deal like three or four to you know two of your creatures to your planeswalkers, which like it's not to a player. So this is a limit. This is a limited first pack, first pick that wins you the game. But beyond that, for the most part, probably this is meta dependent. Um, it's a, it's, like it's a just I don't think this is serviceable removal spell, right? Like this is a, like a, a people wouldn't play it, but people wouldn't play it if this was not a land. And the fact that most of the time you play this as a land tapped, then second most common use case is paid as a land that costs you three life. And then the then and then you you can play as a removal spell. It's also really inexpensive, right? Like this is of the five, the one that you'll just cast more often because you draw it on turn four and it's just like, oh, I do like two damage to a creature or I do one damage to two creatures. I like, kill two birds of paradise and I'm just like way ahead because I cast this spell. It's just the least powerful of them is the problem. And that's the whole idea of like, or good, good, early, good, late. Like if I draw this late, I have lots of lands in play and you don't have good targets for me. It's just the power of X is not that good. Sure. It's like, you know, that. if you have like a creature I need to kill, it's like, I'm going to spend five mana to kill your creature. So I think it's okay. Um, well, but like if this for one, sure, to me, this one feels it for sure is going to kill. If you, if you spend six mana, it's like going to kill whatever you want. Right, like like at eight mana, which is what all the other ones basically cost. It's straight up doom six blade. to two things. Yeah, to two things almost. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's fair. Next up, we've got Seagate Restoration. Blue, blue, blue. Four sorcery. Draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one. You have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game, and it's a blue source that enters tapped. You can play untapped. I think this one's pretty good. I think it's. Because blue often really does like to have an untapped source on turn one, whether it's to cycle, it's to play like a brainstorm or serum visions, whatever, um, or if it's just to make sure that on turn two you can hold up and counter magic. I think the only concern with this is that like the kind of deck that for seven mana is going to get a like good value, like it's a control deck, right? And if that's that's where this is good, and that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. It's just it doesn't fit into most blue decks it doesn't fit into most blue decks for me as like a card I'd want to play because I don't want to have seven mana sorcery speed, like trying to draw like three or draw four or something like that. And tapping out for that is kind of how I feel. What do you think? I don't know if I'd spit. I don't know if I would play the spell as a five drop or even a four drop. Maybe as yeah, a four yeah. drop. Like, I feel like that card exists and I wouldn't play it. So like the question is like, I think this is a card and I know people say this and I like, I agree with the pet peeve that like not every dumb expensive card is a commander card. Cause commander is like a real format that has like things that don't work here. And so like just being an expensive big thing doesn't make it commander playable. I do think because this is a land, like a lot of blue decks will just free roll this. Um, especially every mono blue deck can just get this card for free. And then once in a while we'll cast this and it'll be great. And like if one out of a hundred games you cast this, it's still really good. Cause it costs you nothing. Uh, in a format where your life total doesn't matter, um, especially like Shatter Skull Smashing is similar, I think, in Commander, right? Like the the cost of paying three life to have these come into play untapped in, in a Commander format is so low because you have 40 life that like, why not play these free cards um, to make your deck better? So I do think this is a card people will play a ton of because of that. I think that in constructed formats, this card is bad. Like almost almost the 
opposite side of the spectrum of turn timber symbiosis, which I think turn timber symbiosis is a very playable competitive format. And I honestly think actually Shatter Skull Smashing is as well. Because like just getting I a just think see, removal spell. Get restoration, the whole concept of drawing this card late, if you're in top deck mode where you're holding open like you're holding like a land in hand and like a counter spell and they're just attacking you and not casting anything. And you're like, I'll spend seven to draw two or three cards. And also I'm tapped out now, so I can't do anything with this until next turn is like pretty bad. Yeah, it's generally going to be win more. What I like it in commander more than anything is there's a lot of good, uh, like the five, I forget the artifacts name, but there's a five minute artifact creature that's, is power and toughness equal to your hand size and does damage every time you draw a card to every opponent? Like this card's not psychosis crawler. Yeah, psychosis crawler. Where like, oh, I this is a combo card. I just won by drawing a bunch of cards or something with like Niv Mizzet in play. Now I guess in standard with Niv Mizzet decks, maybe having one of these makes sense because it's like a you play Niv Mizzet, you untap, you play this, you win the game. I guess that's not standard; it's historic because Niv Mizzet's rotating. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm hard medium on this card. I think I think I have changed my mind, and this is my least favorite. And turns into symbiosis has moved up to be my third favorite because I love the next two cards. Let's talk about them. Uh, number one, Amiria's Call. Four white, white, white sorcery. Create two, four, four white angel warrior creature tokens with flying non-angel creature tokens. Non-angel creatures you control get indestructible until end of turn. Uh, and it can produce a white source on the other side. Um, so this card does all the things you want that we've described, right? Like you play it and it creates a threat that's real. You, in, in many ways, it draws you two cards, at least, right? It, let, let's say the indestructible half didn't exist, because I think that's the more stapled on flavor text. If not, that's not true. Yeah. But let's just say that side didn't exist. You are getting a um, eight, seven mana, eight, eight flyer that takes two removal spells to kill. Um, and on its own that's very powerful for something that's just a free land, right? Like you play this tapped most of the time. You play it untapped if you need to. Uh, and then one out of like a couple games, you get you draw this late game and you get giant angels in the play. And now they have to defeat two celestial colonnades. Then add the fact that if you have anything in play that's a creature, you get a free swing into them or a free defensive like lockdown where they're all indestructible. So even if they swing at you, you're able to protect yourself. I think that's just like a lot of really valuable things on one card. I think this card's probably the most underrated of, of the five, like where, yeah, I'm going to say this is most underrated. I feel like from a, from the perspective so far of like decks that are doing things where I could actually see this card having real value. Turn timber is the best so far. And Amiria's call is really sweet. I like, like this card a lot because again, you talked about the top end of, you know, Ondu inversion and how that card becomes like, why would all control decks not just play this card? And I feel the same way about Amaria's Call. It actually makes me feel like Amaria's Call and Onto Inversion are both going to fit into some kind of uh, some kind of control deck that is able to return lands to its hand. And it's just going to hit land drop after land drop after land drop. And then it's going to be like, well, I'll either return this eight power spell to my hand or I'll return this board wipe to my hand and then return this eight power spell to my hand and kill you with it. Uh, that seems like a thing that'll happen. So I think Amaria's Call is really good I think it has to go into a little bit more of a specific build to be good. Um, Cause again, like spending seven mana sorcery speed is like still like a tough ass, well, but, you know, but not, it is a great top deck. It's not like Seagate restoration, right? It's not like, Oh, I spend this to play this and then you can just attack me. 
It's I play this and then yeah, you can attack me. You have two four four angels in your way. <laughs> uh and yeah. all my block or anything else I had in play is indestructible. So I think I think from and then on the aggressive side, like it's great there too, where if I'm an aggressive deck, I'm only just gonna play this as a land. 99% of the time I'm gonna play this land, but there's gonna be times where I'm playing against a control deck or I'm playing against something that's able to answer all my creatures and or puts enough blockers where I get stalled out and then I play this and I win. <laughs> um, yeah. so I think I like, know I I think this card I think this card's sweet. I think I think I, I like what you're saying here. This card makes sense to me. So there's a let's compare it to the the final one here. Uh, we can rank them then, which is Agadim's Awakening, which is black, 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 X, sorcery. Return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creature cards that each have a different converted mana cost, X or less. Um, so for instance, so that's, if, if you pay three mana into it, you get a zero drop, a one drop, a two drop, and a three drop. It card is pretty freaking interesting. I think, like, generally speaking, the X return things to the battlefield spells... Um, there's a bunch of them now. They've printed a ton over in black and white over the last couple of years. I like the effects. They're usually a little hard to get all the value you want out of. They have to go into the correct build, right? Like you, you, you'd certainly have to make sure your deck is constructed to take advantage of drawing this card. But again, I think the fact that this is a land, you're not building the deck around the effect that Agadim's Awakening brings you. It's not like you're hoping to draw this so you can cast it and win. I just think like, as a resurrection spell in your deck that is also a land, even if you're getting back one creature, you know, five mana or six mana to get back the creature you need, and it's a land that's getting it for you, makes this card pretty playable. Because there's a lot of shenanigans this deck, this card is going to pull off. Yeah, there's there's like three, in my head, 3.5 use cases that I like about this. There's, there's the one, which is what you just mentioned, right? Like, this is just a eight mana reanimation spell. I get a five drop. And maybe another value creature that's in my graveyard, but I get a five drop and that's cool. If I draw this late game and early game, I'm just going to play it as a land. There's uh, the version of it where you, like there's so many and obviously they're all late game, but there's so many uh, aristocrats decks that are available in standard and historic that like the be- the ability to cast this and get cat back plus um, the de- the devil that's a three drop plus your two drop like like uh, uh, the the sacrificing two drop like any of those stuff stuff back is like or or get um a croxa right like you can get cat croxa and right. uh, uh mayhem devil for 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 six mana uh, like as as your end game right just have this as one of those spells and that's like insane that's like an insane thing to have available that also is your land earlier on um. And the next one is like dredge stuff. It's like similar, you know, obviously this is more historic, but like in any of the like almost hedge and crab stuff where you're self milling with the Murph of the two one that puts stuff into your graveyard, this lets you get all the bunch of stuff that you self milled, putting that all into play, which I think is really powerful. But the thing for our modern listeners that I'm most excited by this card and Shatter Skull Smashing is Death Shadow, because in Death Shadow, you want to play the land untapped. <laughs> the lose three life untapped land is not a drawback. <laughs> You're doing that all day. You're like, True. oh, damn. Oh, no. My life totals at 17 on turn one. On turn two, it's at 12. On <laughs> turn three, I have a death shadow. And then I draw this late game and I can buy back the death shadow that you murdered. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mana. That is really good. That- and and also and they they're printing that new demon that new two mana one one we're going to talk about probably next you know next week on the show that is effectively another death shadow so yeah I, I agree with you I think I mean I I don't think you can play more than one or two of these and like one of each maybe in that deck but again just having them in I think you can play four of Agadim's Awakening and Death Shadow 
that might be extreme, but like, yeah. there's no cost. You just like, other than the fact that it like works with your other lands a little bit worse and like your color fixing is worse, but like, who cares about your life total? No, going that's, down? that's a significant drawback in that sure. deck because like you only play like 20 lands or something or 18 lands. You're playing a very low number of lands and most of them have to be fetch lands. You have to play like 10 or 12 fetches to make that. I mean, maybe you play like low 20s. Well, but but you play like 20 or the 19. The reason you pay the fetch lands is because you need the fetch lands to shock to get you down through life. This does that. So you can just pay. And, with and, and also to fix your colors and also to fix your colors. You have, you have specific colors you're trying to hit. I, I That's what I'm saying. I think you probably can't play four of this card. I think you could probably play two, maybe three but, of this but card. Like black but I, is the most important, right? Like, like you need to hit Colgan's command, but you can get to like, if you play this in a fetch, like if you play four of these and you subtract like two fetches and a swamp, and you play three. How about that? Like, you now have cut down your land count. And and honestly, you could maybe even go down, go up one card. Like, lose just a regular card for one of these. So you go up a land for this. Like, because remember, these are spells. Yeah. So, like, like the, the, the point of these is they allow you to increase your how many lands you're playing. You don't always have to be that low. So, like, because this game card's insane in that deck late game and great in the and really good early game. I don't know. I, like, this card seems like a... And, and even Shatter Smashing, if as a one of maybe three and one, like I think both of them are very yeah. powerful in that deck. Um, and like, you, like the the one thing fetch lands also are good, I guess. Like that is Delph. Like you do not get the mill effect off of them, but so that that's relevant. So it, it, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I think so, it's cool. I think it's really cool. I mean, I look after talking about all five of them. I feel pretty comfortable in saying that the best one is the green one. I think the green one's the best. The black is the second best. I think uh, white is third, red is fourth, and and blue is fifth. Yeah, would be I my think that's May- maybe. I think green's the most powerful. I just think I just think it fits into a strategy that green wants most of the time, and I think it just makes total sense. Yeah, mono uh, green too. You don't have to fetch anything. You don't even care that it's not a forest. You just play four of them because right, right, why not? Right. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Could have these been legendary? I think I almost wish they were legendary. The back ends. Yeah. But maybe they're not like they're not because they're meant to be like really good. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I I think I'd put black. I I would go black. Green, white, red, blue. I think I, I would have black above green, but otherwise I think, yeah, they're they're all and, and partially because I can think of a deck that this is already good in. Um, yeah. So cool. All right. Sweet. Uh, that's, that's it. Those are the flip cards. So, so after looking at all these cards is kind of our final thoughts. Will you be adding more spells? Will you be playing these instead of lands or will you be playing these instead of spells up in your land count? Uh, I, I think I'll probably be upping my land count slightly. I think probably in most cases I'll be playing two more lands in decks, um, to, to take advantage of these cards. Uh, unless I'm playing the type of deck that I like to play, in which case I'll probably justify playing the same number of lands and I'll play two of these in place of those lands. The problem is the kind of decks I like to play, replacing lands 21 and 22 with two tapped lands is tough. So then as far as these these untapped ones go, depends on the deck. None of these effects fit into the types of decks I like to play. None of the decks I like to play would want to play any of these cards, really. Maybe the black one, probably the black one's the closest because like... Definitely could get back Mirror Superior and as part of it. That's pretty I think, sweet. I think the black and the um, red are like right up your alley. The red one, like, is a good remove is like a decent removal spell that you'll play as a land most of the time. I mean, it's red. Yeah, but- maybe. I j- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's possible. I, I'll definitely be considering though. These cards are great. I like. I'm, I'm a big fan of the cycle. I think it's really cool, and I can't wait to see what happens with it. Yeah, I think. I think. I'm. I think. I'm on the. Uh, 
play more land side as well. I think I think what this more these more make me want to play them as cards. And then if I need to, I can play them as lands. Not I'm not going to go to start going to like 30 lands, but then play play five of these instead of those lands. I'm going to go up to 40 lands and play four spells like this instead. Um, Yeah. Sweet. Um, guys, a big thank you to everybody for listening to the show, for watching the show. Please hit that subscribe button below if you haven't already. One of the things that we really like to ask you guys to do, and I'm sure you're going to have lots of comments this time because we have brand new cards, leave a comment below. Be like, this is my favorite card. This is my ranking of those five we just talked about. Uh, Kessler's hair looks great. Say whatever you want to say. Leave a comment. Comments go a long way on the channel. So leave a comment, hit that like button, subscribe, and of course, follow what we're doing on Twitch. You can follow Kess at Kess Wiley. You can follow me. Well, it's actually twitch.tv slash Kess Wiley, but it's twitch.tv slash Ben Bateman streaming. We're both doing all kinds of fun stuff on there. Um, and yeah, and and, then, and of course, go to Patreon. We yeah, already talked you, about and Yeah, Patreon we talked about, but, uh, you know, the movie talk is good. Uh, the movie talk is good. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to do a whole conversation about 2001 Space Odyssey next week. We talked about Lord of the Rings today versus Star Wars very briefly. Uh, make sure to check our Commander, Commander Show next next Monday. Uh, so, so this comes out Friday. Uh, so Monday, the bringing up the calendar... Monday the 14th, uh, we'll have uh, Brian David Marshall, BDM, uh, Pro Tour Historian, and Ben Wheeler from uh, Loading Ready Run, LLR, uh, on the, the stream doing some Commander. Uh, so it's going to be really fun, uh, and we hope you guys check that out as well uh, at 7.30 p.m. PST. Uh, thanks so much, and that's on the YouTube channel and my stream, Kess Wiley. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.